0: Welcome to Jack Theology. My name is Dr. Matt Murphy. I'm with my great friend, Dr. Kevin Young. Welcome. Good to see you. Good to be back with you again, man. Another episode. Uh, it's been good. Good rhythm here. We are actually live again. So if you're watching, I uh, encourage you to you know comment in the feed, share it, like, subscribe, uh, review, all those things. Uh, get the word out. Uh, we seem to be uh, getting some new new listeners so welcome yeah welcome uh, everyone morning. yeah exciting to see today we just kind of want to talk about um there's been a lot going on in our culture culturally uh, to talk about and part of what we want to do at jack theology is uh identify some of the jackness in our culture some of the jack theology that's out there uh, and kind of deconstruct some of that and talk about it um so there's a lot i mean we have the revival we have uh you know, we had Sam Smith a couple of weeks ago at the Grammys. We had Rihanna at the Super Bowl. A lot of reactions, a lot of heated and opinionated. It's been quite a, quite a, quite a crazy couple of weeks, hasn't it?
1: Yes, it's. Uh, and Christians, it's been- I mean, Christians are all over the map on these things, which is fascinating to see. You know, the difference of opinion and. Yeah, it is a clash of cultures inside and outside the church, and also I think it's a clash of cultures inside Christendom.
0: Yeah. Um, I, one thing I've noticed is on a lot of issues that we talk about, there definitely seems to be a group of people that's for uh, like our opinions and there's a group of people that's against it but some of this stuff that's happened the last couple of weeks I think it's all over the map like who's for who's against uh, you know uh, it's yeah. people are difficult.
1: are not in the same positions they usually and I, I don't think you can yeah. easily quantify a lot of these conversations you know with Rihanna with Sam Smith with Asbury Uh, i don't think you can easily quantify it as this is where the conservatives are this is where the middle of the road progressives are this is where the liberals are i think you're i think you're right that's pretty intuitive is that a lot of people have kind of ended up in different maybe camps than a lot of folks who they're normally in a camp with which is kind of fascinating to see those shifts yeah yeah uh i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but that's a very astute observation dr murphy
0: (laughs) yeah i i think i think it's a good thing actually i think I, I, as you know, I enjoy a healthy debate. You do as well. <laughs> um,
1: I do. <laughs> I do enjoy a healthy debate because uh, that's not... <laughs> let's just avoid that whole topic today.
0: <laughs> but I, I...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about that too. I do enjoy uh, a healthy debate. But uh, yeah. No, let's just avoid that. Keep going. You enjoy a healthy debate. I uh,
0: yeah. Well, I, I think it's healthy that not everyone it's it's not so tribal i i, I feel like this one it, you're not jumping to your tribes you're you know sharing your honest opinion everybody has different experiences and backgrounds and so you have different views on on these sorts of things so um i, I tend to think it's healthy so we'll see if it remains healthy um yeah um so let's start with you know the dancers the i think uh, and then we could spend some time on the revival that opens up a lot of big cans of worms in different areas. But um, yeah, I, the Sam Smith thing kind of took me by surprise. Like I I saw some videos of it like on kind of general secular Twitter. Uh, just thought it was a cool dance show, and then obviously the algorithm posted in a bunch of like angry Christians about uh, you know worshiping the devil. Um, and so then I dove in a little bit deeper into it and the song that he was singing was basically that the world I don't know if he necessarily called out Christian specifically but a lot of people see transgenders queers you know um, as devils and so he was depicting that on through his show and it that kind of fascinated me and you know, kind of the right wing, angry conservatives like kind of proved him right um, by calling them the devil, <laughs> uh, which was fascinating. Um, so I'm not sure that he was trying to worship Satan in that. I think he was trying to and most art is trying to prove a point in culture to show and reveal something about culture. So yeah, make a statement. Like, yeah. All uh, art is a statement. Yeah. Um so i yeah he definitely wasn't trying to like say let's worship satan i think
1: i mean there are a camp of christians though i mean to be fair there are there are a group of people who really truly believe that that was what was going on and uh i i i have a hard time taking him seriously uh quite honestly uh if he was worshiping satan then you know certainly Yes, but I, I, Satan worship doesn't look like that, okay? Uh, and, you know, I, I think if we're trying to find Satan and Satan worship and Satanic things behind every door, we're always going to find what we're looking for behind every door. And I think your point is well taken, that Sam uh, and Kim with this, we're, we're trying to make a statement. And, and it's hard for me to to say that art is, is wrong, um, I, I think. We set personal boundaries around what art we consume and what entertainment we consume. But um, I I think it's I, I wouldn't go that extra leap to say that theologically or morally necessarily art is wrong or that this art is wrong, especially when you understand the background behind this, their relationship with the church. Kim gave an interview just before the event that talked about how she had been rejected. By the church uh, in her youth, because of how she was, and, and certainly Sam, I think probably has a similar story that the church, at least now, is is certainly rejecting him in a lot of ways. And, and I think it's um, it's compelling, especially given the nature of the song that it's about uh, infidelity. Um, I, the, the conversation is is one I think probably that needs to be that needs to be had. It's unfortunate, though, that I think the church typically jumps to jumps to the method or the vehicle that it was communicated in rather than what was really being said. And to me, that's that's the difficult part of, of where the church ends up on these things is they end up missing the forest for the trees we do.
0: Yeah, I, I think, yeah. Um, was Sam, what, were they trying to be um, out there, draw attention? Sure. I mean, I think most and the fact,
1: are, that it, the fact that it worked says it something did. about us more than it I does know. about them,
0: right? I, I mean, the fact that we were
1: triggered by this as Christians, anytime we're triggered, we should do some internal work and reflection to see what was it about the thing that triggered us, that caused us. Where, where's the weak spot? Where's, where, where's the flex? And the fact that it worked if they were trying to do it which they probably were it worked why did it work that to me is the question
0: yeah i i think he got the reaction he wanted um he you know yeah i think i think you hit the nail on the head um the devil's not around every corner um you know we're we get so triggered by that, those images like the little devils. I mean, it's kind of goes some back to our Halloween conversation too. It's not even biblical, um, yeah, right. It's like, um, sure. Are there people that worship Satan that that are satanic? Uh, yes, but honestly, they're, they're not the people that are wearing little devil horns around. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, the satanic worship looks very different than that. Um, and so I think we just kind of look like, Jerks, um, a holes. When we when we do that sort of thing, rather than evaluating like what was he trying to say, where's the hurt, where's the pain? Like clearly the images he's portraying, he he's he's coming after, he's trying to trigger Christians. Why is he doing that? Um, and kind of looking at it through compassionate eyes, rather than just getting angry and trying to cancel him. And the whole cancel thing was fascinating because we also saw because Maverick City performed at this, they won some Grammys and they become really popular. Um, in Christendom uh, for their music and also they're being well respected by the broader um, culture for their musical talents and they're being invited on shows like this and I saw people you know these same conservative fundamentalists trying to cancel Maverick City because they were at the Grammys where this event happened like so Christian artists can't. It's like,
1: my, it's like my family in the 80s who wouldn't go to a s- restaurant or a store that's, you know, served alcohol or sold yeah, alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, like guilt by association.
0: Yes. So so Christians aren't allowed to perform their art in settings like this. L- let's just even say Sam Smith was doing what these fundamentalists are saying. But so Christians can't have a voice in that world to like right. have, a, you know, a different kind of view. Yeah. Like Jesus himself, John 17,
1: that? in the world, not of the world but not out of the world, right? I mean, we live in the world. Jesus says, don't be of the world, but I'm leaving you here, not out of this world.
0: Yeah, it, that just, I was like blown away. Really? Like they have a great opportunity to reveal Christ to people and you're, you're canceling them <laughs> uh, because of Sam Smith. I, I just was like, whoa. Um, and, and they, they, they should be there. They're, they won five Grammy awards, like, and they're asked to perform on the Grammys. And so why would they say no to that? Um, maybe it's just jealousy. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. You know,
1: and this is part of the, you know, Christians have a history of creating their own things apart from the world in order to be out of the world. I mean, you've got the Grammy awards, you've got, you've got the Dove awards, you know, you've got all of these ways and, and places where where Christians have kind of created their own thing and, and distance and remove themselves from from being involved in the world on a, on a large scale. But also, I mean, in, our, in a small scale, in our, in our neighborhoods, we create our own church sports leagues rather than being involved in the community sports leagues. We, we create our own arts within the church rather than being involved in the arts in our communities. And then we wonder why the world has no relationship or love for us and why we have no relationship or love with the world because there is no intersection <laughs> of Christ and culture
0: yeah um, you're right I, I think um, we we are so fearful that and I, I see this a lot online is that the culture is going to change the church rather than the church change the culture. And uh, I heard a quote that like, show me where the world is um, now or something. Show me where the world is now. And in 10 years, that's where the church will be. Um, and it's like, I. Devil's I, advocate. I, <laughs> yeah, Devil's advocate. Uh, is that a legitimate fear, though?
1: I mean, cause, you know, I, I mean, growing up, you said that and I heard. I heard that a lot. There's this danger of the toxins, like, like you say, of, of the world infiltrating the church and and changing the church. Um, is that a is that a real and legitimate fear? Is that a real and
0: present danger? I I don't necessarily see it that way. I, I mean, obviously, I, I see it more the opposite. I think um, the more the church can grow into Christ and have influence in incarnate themselves into the world, the more the the world will start to look like Christ. Um, I mean, I think you look at the compassion towards, uh, let's the LGBTQI community. I honestly, I think that was started by Christians that not maybe not through the church, but people following Jesus that has influenced a lot of the culture. Um, unfortunately the church as a institution gets stuck and you know and these new things come up that we're fearful of addressing um and right now it's sexuality and we're just scared because you know the Bible is it's not extremely clear or there's some bible verses that maybe look like it's against it um and and so we're fearful of interacting with that and so what we do is we just draw a line in the sand and say well no that's not of god so we're going to be, we're just going to be jerks, you know? And so then folks in the church deconstruct that they leave the church and they begin to have compassion and show love and care and kindness as Jesus would do. And then, you know, um, I think the world's changed through that. I, I think, I think that's how it works. Um, you know, you go, you go back, I mean, the truths, the, the, the principles of love and compassion, they come from Jesus. They come from, christianity they i mean all world religions i think teach teach love and compassion but if you go back and look when christianity is expanding into like the pagan cultures um they didn't have that they were very violent they were very unloving uncaring um and slowly over time because of christianity of you know people living like jesus the world starts to look like that i think that does come from from christ people living that out in the world um so I tend to see it the opposite. I, I think the church gets so far behind because of the institution of trying to save the institution uh, that we forget to live like Christ and enter, enter into these different venues. Um, so,
1: yeah, no, I think that's. I think the, the institution is weak. Um, Christ is not, and and I think you know we have to recognize that that Christ is not the institution. You know, our faith is not the church. Um, we are the church, but our faith, our Christ is not the church, the institution of the church. Um, and if we're leading with the institution, I, I think, yeah, we're, there is a real and present danger of the culture being stronger than than the church culture. But that's because our churches don't often re- reflect or represent Christ well. Uh, I think if, if it's Christ that we're taking in the culture. Like the early church, as you said um, it is it is stronger than than culture uh, and so if 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 there is a danger of cultural culture culture infiltrating or affecting the church, it is because the church's foundations and strength is in the wrong
0: place yeah, well going back to slavery um, I mean, the first abolitionists, the the, the folks that like kind of changed culture, were Christians, but it wasn't the church. <laughs> um, you know, the church is like firmly established. We can't we can't break this. Um, I think part of it too, um, kind of a Jack theology that I've experienced because I have more of the gifts of of um, the apostle, uh, evangelist, uh, the prophetic. Um, when you look at you know gifts in the church is you have you have apostles prophets evangelists uh teachers and shepherds you know the whole apest thing right and most most churches are built and institutionalized around the teachers and the shepherds and the apostles i call them the apes the apes have no place apostles prophets and evangelists uh in that environment and so you might get an apostle that's like there's this new rising group of people that you know uh, that we need to reach out to and have compassion to and do something different to with. Um, and then the, the teachers and the shepherds are like, no, we gotta, we gotta, you know, save what's here. And the apostles get kicked out. They, they don't have a place. Um, I think that's what happens is we don't really welcome all the gifts of the church. And if we would, I think then the church could have greater impact in, in, in these areas. um, and you wouldn't have these, you know, to me, like the Mark Driscoll's of the world that are out there spewing off these angry things towards a guy like Sam Smith, he, he's completely ignoring uh, the apostles and prophets and evangelists in his church um, completely. He's, he's probably removed them all um, because anything that goes against his teaching uh, is anathema, is apostate. Um, and so he's not listening to that which is unfortunate and, and I think that's what we find we find this kind of dividing wall and I think too we have to work together because um, obviously the apostle just wants to you know it wants it done yesterday um, wants it done you know immediately and obviously I think there's some teaching there's some learning there's some growing uh, that we could learn from the shepherds and the teachers as well uh, to, to make it more holistic movement and um, so that's kind of where i land when i think about this these things so how does um how does super bowl
1: rihanna he gets us how in your you know how in your opinion did that reflect similarly to sam smith and the grammys and the church's reaction or, or did you feel that there was a a difference in um in that which was what like a week or two after at most uh, from the, from the grammys what,
0: what do you? Yeah, what did I mean, you feel I, about that? I. I saw him as kind of the same, and it, and it had everything to do with how she was dressed, you know, with the red. Which,
1: well, yeah, I mean, but also, has there ever been a Super Bowl show with as much clothing? As, I know. As, She's
0: trying to hide the fact that she was pregnant. As that one had. I mean,
1: I've never seen, I've never seen so much fabric on anybody yeah. in, in a Super Bowl show, uh, and and they still found a way to complain about the dress yeah because yeah, she was wearing red he, and, and i saw even somewhere her belt was like the satanic star of the so i y'all
0: she made I a mean. heart she made a heart symbol with her hands and they said that was a satanic uh symbol as well like they i mean you made this point earlier people see what they want to see um when they're already triggered at, you know they they you know, I saw somewhere somebody posted well we should put uh, Mercy Me as a halftime show. Like and they were dead serious, like you know, and they were appalled Roger Goodell would not have Mercy Me, because this is a God loving, God fearing country. We should have worship Christian worship music at halftime of the Super Bowl. But You know, I have no comment.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have no I have no opinion about that, Senator. <laughs> um, well, that kind of the super Bowl i I think so I've been thinking about this a lot lately, especially with Christian nationalism um and I guess this kind of dovetails into the revival talk too, but um a lot of people out there think to be American is to be christian um and so the Super Bowl is a very American thing, like we you know we learned from our friend Leonard Sweet america you know super bowl is america's high holy day and i think a lot of americans are looking for christian kind of values to be at the super bowl and so i think a lot of the reaction to rihanna is that like well why can't we have some kind of like whole wholesome um christian type of thing at the halftime show Uh, um yeah, and people were like worshiping with Chris Stapleton in the in the national anthem. I didn't know what to think about that either. It was just kind of like people are bawling their eyes out, you know, having a God moment, it, saying this is like a God-given uh, worship song, basically about his his, his rendition of the star Swingle Banner. And so then I think there's a lot of that. And complaining about the black national anthem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah that that. That was crazy too. Like, could you be any more racist? Like, are you kidding me?
1: I, I think the answer is yes, but also no. <laughs> I mean, it like, never ceases. It never ceases to amaze me how we out racist our previous racism, and yet,
0: I just like they say the quiet parts out loud that's that's definitely one of those but i think it it
1: reinforces this uh what you've said is that you know sports in general uh but especially football and especially the super bowl is the high holy day of our civil religion and we have an inability an increasing i think inability as american christians to understand the separation between god and country between god religion and country religion um and yeah i mean your point is well taken uh you know from from rihanna and what she does to national anthem and it being worship you know the the flag people crying um i get it but also we're a mess (laughs) y'all yeah we don't even understand. We don't even we don't even see that these are, are two very different cultures, or should be two very different cultures that should um, should come together in these moments. But I think not in the way that we think they should.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that was a driving force behind uh, the "He Gets Us" campaign, which you were. Um, eloquently quoted I was, uh, <laughs> I was uh, uncharacteristically vocal about You uh, you made characteristically CNN? vocal about yeah. it, I think you know that's one of those things where this you know Hobby Lobby probably set a goal to make enough money where they could have a Jesus ad on the Super Bowl I mean I, I imagine that's probably been a goal of theirs uh, because well Jesus needs to be at the Super Bowl um and so I, I I think that's some of the motivation behind it. I mean, we could talk about the ad um, itself and kind of the weirdness of it. Um, you know, I think as you were quoted the saying that the, the the you know the younger generation is going to be upset because you spend all these millions of dollars on this ad and you're you know when you could use that to actually help people. And then the ad itself was like interesting because it's like basically calling protesters uh against racial violence and um as uh bad <laughs> yeah i had
1: to go back and watch that commercial because i didn't even i didn't even see some of those things in the ad when when it first played and then you know i was online i saw people talking about um mask virtue signaling and protest virtue signaling um, and I went back and watched, and I was like, I didn't even, I didn't even notice some of these themes and images um, that w- that were in there the first time it played through. And I was just, i just, I'm like, I don't even know how to quantify what this is, or, or why this is, or or what what the point is. Uh, and if I can't, and if I'm have diff- difficulty, how does how does an outsider from Christendom view this? Like, what's the What's the takeaway? And, and I, I don't know about you. I mean, obviously, you know, anecdotally doesn't mean that the, it broadly uh, was, was experienced this way. But anecdotally, for me, um, the feedback from a lot of people who aren't inside the church was negative. And a lot of feedback from people inside the church, you know, was negative. There was positive uh, as well. People who see it as, as a good thing. And, and it may well be. I think that's my hope. But the return on investment, you know, is uh,
0: questionable at best, I think. Yeah. Yeah. My. I mean, anecdotally, just sitting there watching it with a big group of people from my neighborhood, um, you know, it didn't hit the way I think they thought it would hit. I think most people were confused. That was like the, kind of the reaction in the room. Um, and so... Maybe confusion is what they wanted to do. I don't know. But yeah, you know, it
1: may be. That's not. Um, that's not necessarily a bad, a, a bad perspective. You know, I think my understanding is this is like a three-year campaign that they're maybe a year into, and this is kind of a, a second launch for it. So it may well be that we will be sick and tired of this campaign and what it's trying to communicate by the end of it, uh, <laughs> with that with the ad buy that that they're making. And the money they're spending uh, you're not going to be able to get away from this campaign so it may well be that as it continues it will become more clear what it means but but i don't think it's wise in the beginning to spend that much money and for people to not get it uh, yeah it's 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 questionable again it's another it's a it's questionable it, it was way too um
0: way too unclear <sighs> Yeah, what what the goal was? What I, I the agree. Mission was, gonna, what the point was? My my thing is, if you're going to spend that much money, it should be extremely clear, especially at the Super Bowl, when you have your, your this captive audience. Like, if that's your goal, um, you know, you have 180 million people watching. Um, you know, most every other Super Bowl commercial is very clear on what they're trying to yeah. get across. Well,
1: and I think that that's—I think that's my greatest qualm. You know, do I do I wish and hope for great success? You know, for this that it brings people closer to Jesus, or, or begins conversations, or, or asks um, questions that that move people towards um, some level of transformation. Yes, unequivocally. Um, and I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> but at the, the, at the end of the day, I, I just think um, it, it was tone deaf, uh, you, you know, and, and that is, I think, representative of most of what Christendom does and the relationship that it has with culture around it is that it's completely um, that is completely tone deaf to what people are saying, where people are. What people are going to think? I have to assume that this was um, that this was focus grouped, that it was workshopped, that they got a huge data collection of feedback. As, as any ad buy at that level, showed that they did their research on their target market. It wasn't clear to me as a as someone with a marketing and communications background um, that, that that they had done that though, uh, because it just from how it was financed to to how the commercials were executed and they were executed well but the goal they were trying to it just just it just came across as tone deaf from from a lot of angles and i just don't think that that's where it's evangelicalism has been there in tone deaf space for far too long and to spend this much money again on something i don't think out of the gates It's wise to begin with something that is um, nebulous and tone deaf, especially at that level of visibility and also trying to counter the perception that this is not the way money should be spent among the audience you're trying to reach. You, You can't you can't give a first impression that negative and get away with it, even even with a year or two. You know, you never get a second chance to make that first impression. Everybody's going to continue to see through the lens that they saw that Super Bowl commercial ad buy through. They're going to see two years of this campaign through that lens. And generally, by and large, it was not a great lens.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I think my experience sitting in evangelical marketing rooms is uh, a... we think we know what everybody needs to hear so we don't do the research um and so we are the target audience you know the, the ones in the room so uh, well, and, the, end- you know, and that's the, that's the point though i'm
1: sure that that's why so much of it made it you know some of those messages about vax and Vaccines and and masks and protests and things, how they made it in there, why it was esoteric. My guess is, as you said, being in some of those rooms is at the end of the day, whoever is paying for it makes the decision as to what gets done. And so I'm guessing a lot of compromise went in and it was workshopped far too much with the people who paid for it in order to pass what they would pay for. And you ended up with something that, that was as far as the creative team could go or get them to go, uh, but it just wasn't far
0: enough. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, but, yeah, it's created a lot of reaction, though. I mean, they got senators and congresswomen and men talking about it. Um, and then Asbury sure. it happened and killed it all. Not sure if that's good or bad. <laughs> So yeah the Asbury um revival so everybody moved everybody
1: quickly moved on from he gets us to yeah. uh he's he's I, moving he's moving kids in asbury what the heck is yeah, this
0: have you have been under a rock for the last couple of weeks uh asbury college it's a liberal arts christian college in Wilmore, kentucky a wesleyan background methodist uh school um I don't know if, I don't know if it's completely connected to the Methodist Church anymore but you know roots in that Methodism and Wesleyan theology so Holisman, but yeah they have a they have a history of, of these things um, doing revival meetings um, and, and so you know there's been a Twitter storm social media storm about it um, and you know I just want to say before we dive into some of this um, that there's nothing wrong with a group of students having a two week long prayer meeting and worship service. I, I think for sure. I know God works in that. I mean, he's impacted me in those settings, um, in different ways. Um, you know, the college students, especially, they love those sorts of things. They love the, they love the emotional hype machine. Um, and so, there's nothing wrong with what they're doing there. Honestly, I wish that would have gotten no publicity.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're, (laughs) and yeah, here we are. Uh, (laughs) I think, yeah, well, again, Leonard Sweet to go back to him. He said something, you know, that just always rings in my ear in moments like this to dissect something, you have to kill it. And I, we're probably going to end up spending the next few moments dissecting this. uh, But I think at the heart of the matter for me too, is um, movements of God, spiritual experiences, prayer, worship um, n- none of those things I think are are on the surface um, negative in any in any way. And so you know I think the question the conversation about Asbury for me rotates around the logistics and the experience and and kind of the outside looking into Asbury but as far as whatever is going on, You know in the hearts and lives of of those kids you know who who were and are being moved at the end of the day uh i am not going to question anybody's spiritual spiritual experience and i'm also not going to say that anybody's spiritual experience no matter what i might say or think of of the things surrounding it um i'm not going to say that that's wrong or um didn't happen i i guess so you know i just kind of want to start there that i have nothing against in uh, any way shape or form you know yeah the the, the, um, of the spirit or its effects or, or the people who are who are involved in it and so yeah, yeah thanks, it, for, thanks for qualifying that
0: yeah i think that's fair um and should be said but <laughs> there there i heard a, a friend of mine talk he he had a podcast this week um and he made a comment about this idea of revival versus revivalism and so revival and this is this was my kind of gut reaction to this like very public revival that was announced um was like basically like got their special dispensation on this revival and the revival that happens in your community doesn't matter as much right and that that was whether or not they meant it that way that that's what's communicated by oh this is what revival looks like you know that was a lot of what i was hearing and seeing and it's like revival is a good thing and it it happens i think every day in every community across the world because if you believe god is who he says he is and he's at work and he's moving he's moving everywhere he's moving in the rural areas he's moving in small towns he's moving in big places he's you know um what the psalmist says in Psalm 23 that when you walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, there I am and preparing a banqueting table before you. I mean, I think even in the shadows and in the, in the valleys of life, God brings revival. It, so it's not just in these hype moments. And so for a lot of us uh, growing up in these, I grew up in this kind of tribe of revivalism is you're always looking for that big hype thing. So revivalism, I don't think is it isn't the greatest thing in the world because you can manipulate things. You can try to try to co-opt it. Like what we're seeing at at Asbury right now is you're seeing all these revivalism folks coming in, um, and trying to co-opt it as their own or through social media, every influencer, you know? doing, doing a video, posting a blog, you know. Yeah here's, yeah,
1: here's what I saw. Here's what I experienced, and not that that's wrong, but it's co-opting. It's it's trying to capture some of that energy for yourself and for for your followers. Um, and it's is it wrong? Is it right? I don't know, but I think it's dangerous.
0: Yeah, I do like the fact that I've heard that a lot of they're kind of walking back a lot of the, especially professors at Asbury the idea that this is a revival um, for that very fact. It's like, well, true classical revival is like, all right, the spirit of God moves in your heart, draws you to repentance, and then you go do something about it, right? You go into the world, incarnate Jesus into the world. You you live that out, right? There's no way to know if revival is happening until years down the road, because you got to give these students time to actually then go live out what their repentance you know happened in in these weeks um and so i do appreciate that because i think it shows that they're trying to communicate that the revival is just not some emotional moment which revivalists revivalism they try to create these emotional moments and we've i'll speak for myself I grew up in an environments, and you know, even growing up, even pastoring, like in my ministry career, I've been in these environments where pastors and leaders are trying to create the next great awakening and the next greater revival. And they, they you know, get very manipulative with emotions, get very manipulative with uh, your attitudes. In fact, I some of my statements I've made about kind of pushing back on these things, um, in the last week or two since it started, I've had people in my denomination get upset with me. Well, Matt, you don't believe in revival? <laughs> well, no, I believe in revival. <laughs> you know, like, and that's the that's a manipulation. Like, yeah. so, like, me being burned by by these sorts of things, I can't express that um, and and ask these questions. Uh, you know, and you just shove it down. No, Matt, you're wrong. You know, this is not that. Well, yeah. Uh, well, and what's the definition of revival?
1: You know, I I mean, you just presented just a moment ago a a a different definition of of revival you know one that doesn't necessarily take place in a worship service but one where god moves um in different places in different people in different ways um and you know so is this revival is it not how do we quantify that there are different definitions to revival i don't know that i've ever thought about that until you know this asbury thing came up and we started saying Is this revival? And you mentioned the Great Awakening. You know, so many of our denominations—yours, the Methodists, um, even even the Quakers—the friends that I was in for a while—intersect with this. uh, My church of origin as well. This idea of revivalism and and holiness movements and and the Great Awakening—you know—so much of this comes out of the Great Awakening, which um, wasn't that great for a lot of people. (laughs) You know, there was a lot of downsides, and continue to be a lot of downsides from this idea um, and the results of of the Great Awakening, because it defines God and boxes God in to um, certain places, certain events, certain expressions and and then tries to uh tries to keep that going or or i I hate to use word but manufacture this or or create an environment maybe it's better to say that that will be a kindling for god's spirit you know to move in a way like we're seeing at asbury and that kind of defies this idea of um I, i think what revival is that's what like you said that's revivalism in the bible do we see revival i i maybe one um and i don't know pentecost is pentecost. Know. maybe there were others but again you talk about the results in that same chapter where we talk about pentecost you know by the end of it you know the believers are meeting together each day they're sharing meals they are pulling all their money together and you know making sure that everybody has enough they're selling their possessions and so you know even there in that we see the truth in what you said of it is the effects of the movement of the spirit of god within us individually and communally that really defines whether or not it was the movement of god or just a lot of hype and i think it's a tough question to ask and it's one that we don't want to ask is it hype or is it a movement of god because in a lot of ways we can't answer that question uh but i don't know that it means that we shouldn't ask the question even if there's not an immediate answer to the question
0: yeah i think you're right um yeah you know, at this point how 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 do they shut it down because you have so many people coming in from the outside to check it out. It's become a spectacle.
1: Yeah, which is new. I, I mean in a lot of ways. I, I know that other revivals in, in the past have have brought in other people, but we've never lived in an age of social media where everybody's watching it play out. Yeah. A lot. If, you know, I mean the most recent yeah. one in Asbury was what, in the seventies, and I can't think of I can't think of one anywhere in any holiest holiness movement in the US. So this is this is a, a once in a generation. There hasn't been one perceived type thing, yeah. so you know we're we're in a season of social media. Everybody can go there, everybody can see it, everybody can blog about it, uh, and so how do you shut that down when people will keep coming from everywhere? I don't, I don't know. Should you shut it down? I don't know. But we're also in this age of skepticism too. I mean, we've come through the since the seventies, we've come through the moral majority and the religious right, uh, you know, co-opting politics. We've come through Jimmy Swagger and Jim and Tammy Faye Baker and, you know, televangelists, you know, crying on stage in order to get people to give money and we've seen their fall. We've come through Benny Hinn, you know, and and the showmanship of, you know, knocking people down and these healings. And now we've come through, you know, the fall of Hillsong. We've come through all of these questions about Bethel. Uh, We, We now live in this evangelical Christian environment where everybody is necessarily, in a lot of ways, and understandably skeptical about what is going on to manufacture and produce this, that I don't see how much of this is truly of God and how much of this is people manipulating, others and God in order to move this and, and even in the middle of that with Jim and Fam, Tammy, with Swagger, with Bethel, with Hillsong, God still moved and changed and transformed people's lives even in the midst of that. So it's this maddening question of the, there's not really an ability I think for us to easily assess what is of God, what isn't of God, what is right, what is wrong, what do we do with all of this? And so I get stuck.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I think you can't get mad at people being skeptical because this is another reason people deconstruct and because it's Jack theology that you have to have some emotional moment. Right. And we've, we've all been there where we see people have an emotional moment and it's not real. It's, it's manufactured, it's fake. Like, and, and so People are skeptical for that reason because we've been literally spiritually abused by the evangelical church in this way. Like we've been manipulated, we've been abused to to, to elicit some sort of emotion and response. Um, you know, I've been in rooms where, like, we're talking about we're gonna we're gonna emotionally emote people to this one you know response and and there's a method to it you can get people to it you don't need fog Everybody saying oh there's no fog machines and there's no celebrity you don't need all of that like so right. the, the the skepticism uh i think it, we have to be compassionate we have to be okay with it because the evangelical church ha- has abused uh these situations over the years um, which is yeah, why, I, I yeah, wish- I might even
1: say it's healthy. It, I might even say it's healthy yeah. for there to be skepticism because it forces us to step back and reflect: Is there a reason for the skepticism, and am I ensuring that whatever role that I'm playing in this, as a professor, as a student, as an influencer who's visiting, as somebody who isn't there but who's trying to assess it, is is how much how much of the skepticism is is valid and how do I so I I, I think it's necessary it, it forces us to ask the right questions and make sure that we're in the right space
0: and I think it's forced the guys on the ground having conversations with one of them that are helping lead it it's forced them to create to create boundaries because of the skepticism that's come out um, so it probably has helped it the little bit more, uh, holistic, um, and authentic for the students. And that's the thing. It's for the students. It's not for Tucker Carlson, Charlie Kirk, Todd Bentley, all the, all Great the mom, social media dude. folks that are going there to post, you know, TikToks and Instagram reels. It's for the kids. Um, and let's, let's not forget that and and so we're asking these questions because you know i think it's healthy to to have in dialogue i think it's been a good thing to dialogue around it to think through it um but yeah it's it's a fascinating cultural phenomenon because i think you you said this before that um, we've never seen something like this play out on social media i think the last like popular um revival was in Lakeland, the Lakeland thing with Todd, I think it was Todd Bentley. And, you know, in the end, he ended up manipulating and, and you know, it became kind of this this really weird deal. And, um, you know, the Toronto blessing was, was one. I remember when I was in seminary, that was going on. Um, so there's been a few recently. Um, I find it fascinating. So I have to bring this up because if you go look at Asbury's website and their history of revivals, they always happen in February or early March around the same time of year. And so that also brings skepticism it's like, oh, God can only move. Yeah, I mean, they have a whole web page, right? Dedicated to yeah, the revivals. Dedicated to revivals. And I think the last one. <laughs> that doesn't, that have, doesn't
1: give me faith that this.
0: No, the last you you know, had, like, isn't isn't in
1: some year. way manufactured yeah and is it wrong if it's manufactured i these are questions i just they they don't have easy answers but it doesn't it doesn't give me confidence that there's a a web page touting their revival history giving each of the dates and that they're all in february and march like it's that's a pattern yeah and why is it a pattern god god works in chaos not organization (laughs) <laughs> now I just blew like 90% of of everybody's mind. But 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 but. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. Argue with me, I may be wrong, but
0: <laughs> Yeah. I, it,
1: just because it's chaos doesn't mean it's not of God.
0: Yeah. I yeah, it's it well, and God doesn't need to work in like these emotional moments. Like I I don't this this need for this emotionalism, I, I just don't understand. Or um, like heaven, I mean, this is another podcast, but heaven is not like a continuous worship service. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact—I mean, it's very—it's a—it's a theology point, but the fact that like the revival has to be baked in worship, I think, kind of misses some of the point of Scripture like revival is on the street. It's incarnated. It's, um, lived out. Um, you know, I think maybe there's needs to be some teaching on revival at Asbury. Maybe there's to be a class like the Holy spirit. You look in the book of Acts. Yes. There's emotion. There's moments where there's conversion, right? There's repentance, but immediately the Holy spirit moves people onto mission, into compassion, into serving the poor, into, into the streets, Um, I did a study on this because I've had this argument over and over in my denomination. And so I did an in-depth study on the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts and 66 times, I believe, I just looked at it the other day, the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the book of Acts and like 58 of them, the Holy Spirit is moving people on mission and the others are, yeah, repentance and conviction. So majority of the time the Holy Spirit is moving his people out. So, um, this just lingering in worship. Like I think you miss kind of the point of the Holy Spirit. The like, Holy Spirit isn't just about repentance and conviction and some emotional emotive. It's 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 moving, it's going. It's maybe that's the nine in me or the eight in me just to go do something like man, do there's something. There's no nine in you. What are you talking about? <laughs> Sorry, the eight. Um <laughs> nah. I, I think there's some warped view of the Holy Spirit in all this too. Uh that that should be addressed in, in our theology. Um So that 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 reigns in this, Um, and 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 I think there's a missing that the Spirit is at move at work. Like there's this kind of like depressed state that a lot of people are in because God doesn't work. They see God has to work like this, and yeah, right. Well,
1: and that's why so many people are are flocking to Asbury. I mean, the social influencers are doing it. You know, to co-opt energy by and large. Uh, because unless I see it with my own eyes, I won't believe, yeah. okay, Thomas, you know, <laughs> unless, <laughs> yeah. unless I put my finger in, unless I put my finger through that hole in your wrist, Jesus, you know, I'm not going to believe it too, you know, unless I physically with yeah. my, you know, 10,000 person following on Twitter, go and do a video, you know, <laughs> at Asbury, I, I shall not My people need to know the truth. Yeah, Okay. Um, And yeah, that's the danger. People are flocking there because it's like, oh, well, God's spirit is more present here, more moving here. No, I just, I don't buy that. I don't, not at all. I mean... Maybe, no, I just, you know, God's spirit is not contained in tabernacles. God's spirit is not contained any longer in temples. You know, God's spirit is not contained anymore in in the Holy of Holies or the Ark of the Covenant. You know, the the temple curtain was was rent. Uh, You know, this is no holier moment than communion, you know, at your local 75-member church. You know, this... Moment is no more holy than you sitting across a cup of coffee with a neighbor you know crying over what's going on in, in their lives as they share that this is the spirit of God is no more or less present in Asbury than than any of these other moments and I, I, I think it's a category error for us to to treat it like a sideshow um of the movement of God that isn't happening or at least shouldn't be happening every, everywhere else. And, and you know, all of these students and schools who are sending their kids and they're coming back and you know, every, every day there's a new college Christian college that has, Ooh, you know, revival is broken out here and it looks exactly, it's a prayer service and there's chapel and you know, where everybody's gotten together and been like, let's do this.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm sure it's gone an hour or two. And, and then everybody, this is, it, it's it's perpetuating. It's it, is it wrong? No, but it's perpetuating this idea that this is what the movement of God looks like. Uh, and yes, it does, but no, it doesn't.
0: Yeah, it's not just that. And and unfortunately, I think it's going to create a lot of folks. They're just always going to be looking for that. And if that doesn't happen, then God hasn't moved. And that's unfortunate because I think we miss the move of God in the small ways, in the little ways, the mundane, you know, our, our professor Leonard Sweet always told us God's working in the margins, you know, and I find it fascinating. Uh, I know this is triggering for some people, but revival and revivalism is a very white evangelical thing. Um, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, if you've ever been in a black church, this happens every Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. They,
1: <laughs> they mean, go for it. Uh, I, they, I mean, I, I hate to say it that way, but, but man, the African American churches that I've been in Asbury, it got nothing on what I experience every Sunday, whenever I've met an African American. I mean, it's, yeah.
0: Well, and for, for by and large, they've experienced like the word, like a lot of poverty, a lot of heartache, a lot of oppression, and they celebrate God every week two, three hours, you know, Um, and then, but then here's the thing. They don't, they don't, it doesn't linger for, for a whole week because what, they have to actually go to work, (laughs) you know, like, and and they're celebrating what God has done in their lives. In this, Are you talking
1: about white privilege? Are you really going to go there? (laughs) That this is white, that this revival is white
0: privilege? Like all the people that I see driving in their cars to go there on social media are white folks that, can just drop everything and take you know days off on end and buy hotel rooms like that's a lot it's a lot of money it's a lot of time
1: field of dreams when I was in the hospital field of dreams was on and that final scene from field of dreams you know where the camera pulls out on the helicopter and you've got that baseball field lit up and then the cornfields and you see that line of cars snaking with their lights on you know across across the countryside. that's what it's like at Asbury right now it's a line of cars (laughs) snaked across the countryside trying to get to that chapel and all those cars are filled with white people who have privilege yeah
0: I yeah. said it I said the quiet part oh. out loud it's true um and so they you're can, discounting they can take
1: off work they can afford to go there they could you know to set up yeah. this idea that this is the movement of God and this is where God is and this is the only way to experience God is intentionally or not communicating to an entire group, not just race, but an entire group of people who are not advantaged in a way to be able to go and experience this, that they cannot experience God without being in a worship facility with an extended prayer service that they can attend 24,
0: seven, 365 Yeah. And to your point, I mean, revival is happening in those black churches every Sunday, every week, you know, it's, um. And so I think I think the message has been sent that that you know unless that happens, God's not moving. Which I want and to say Jonathan this is Edwards, not make
1: what's happening at Asbury wrong. This is no. not to put down or to discount anything that's happening at Asbury. Again, I I have no comment. I don't know. I think what's happening at Asbury is phenomenal. Uh, I wish more people would have more transcendent experiences with the spirit and with god again my commentary is directed more to our interaction understanding and jack theology surrounding this idea of what's happening um and it points out some real deficiencies i think in the way we think about god and the way we think about the movement of god and the holy spirit and um our interaction with it
0: yeah right on um i think yeah i think i think you hit the nail on the head with that i think yeah it's um i i'm just curious like (sighs) like where do they draw the line right um when does this stop i i think at some point you got to stop you got to um, you got to send people out. I mean, that's how the early church always did it. I mean, in the ancient liturgies, it was always like worship has ended and, and the deacon or the priest, you know, sends, sends the people out on God's mission. Um, you know, and all the hype surrounding this, um, it's been crazy. Um, it's getting crazier. I mean, Tucker Carlson last night's talking about it on his show. Um, you know, and so it's being co-opted by politicians and and all sorts of things. Um, and so I think if it's truly about the kids and the students and their moment, like it, it might be at the point where it's time to just, you know, shut her down, uh, go back to class, pray in groups, set up, you know, go back to Wesley, have the small groups, uh, you know, Wesley led these sorts of things all the time. And I think maybe do some, a little Wesleyan, uh, the, you know, practical theology, get kids in groups, get kids in classrooms praying. Uh, in the spectacle, because I, I I think it's going to become more hurtful. I mean, now there's protesters there's outside because which is kind of cool that that they've had some repentance and how they deal with the queer and transgender uh, folks that are at Asbury and they're actually empowering them to to lead worship now and and speak in these uh, services they're having, which is awesome. But it's it's brought like a lot of protesters and angry and violent people. I I think for the sake to me, like you know, if somebody's listening that's leading. Joel, if you're there still, like, it might be time to encourage us to just to shut down and move to kind of a different way of, of connecting with God with those students. Because the last thing you want is some student to get hurt because of this, you know, um, and so, and, and the Christian nationalists, they want it bad, um, it's just that the last night I was on Twitter and I was just really feeling sad. I was just like really depressed. I didn't even know what to say. Like, I'm just watching all of this stuff play out and I'm just like, oh man, this is not, not cool. So.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm glad that I'm not in a position to have to decide when the movement of God is done. Um. When it's
0: time to move Well, over. the movement of God doesn't have to be done it can just be in a different venue, you know. Well uh, a different way, different Yeah, way well said. Well, yeah. Uh,
1: that's how people are going to translate it. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, yeah. But but well, you, no, I, you're, well, you're right, say, you're right because
1: again it's a category error if we only see the if Asbury only sees the movement of God as as being this and not what is next then then that's then that's a fatal error I think in in their thinking about this. So hopefully if Asbury is centered around revivals and revivalism and has these a lot and has planned these, um, hopefully they have planned an end game as well as a start game. Yeah. In order well, to, shepherd, Edwards, to shepherd people through, you know, to what's next.
0: Yeah. Well, when Jonathan Edwards was leading the Great Awak- Awakening, he, he resisted <laughs> a lot of the emotional stuff. The Great Awakening? <laughs> the Awakening. I like that. Yeah. I like that, actually. He, he fought against this like and he encouraged people to get out Um, and so I I think
1: there's a danger there uh, right you know I mean we see that script you know build an altar you know don't build an altar here you know this is the spirit of God is not here we're not going to build an altar here on on this place or on this site God moved here um, but we're not gonna we're not going to memorialize it you know in such a way where we worship this event or we worship this space we want to make sure that we worship that we're worshiping the God who we felt and experienced here rather
0: than the here. And Wesley, like I did some research on Wesley too for my doctorate and um, he, he would start these sort of things. I mean, this was, I mean, they're being very Wesleyan. Let's, I mean, this is what Wesley would do, but Wesley would move people out. Like he, he had the three tables. He had the table where they're doing this emotional thing and then he'd move them out into their smaller groups where they're with each other holding each other accountable, getting to know each other on a deep level. And then they're out in the community, uh, inviting people into their homes. Like he was very intentional, like of creating these spaces for revival and then really quickly, uh, moving people out into the world, into the community in a very organized way. He was very organized about it, which is why we get the word method, methodism, um, from him. (laughs) And so I would say maybe go to Wesley and be a Wesleyan. Um, so yeah, that's that. I don't know if you had any other thoughts for me. Uh,
1: I always have more thoughts, but probably none of them are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> save save the rest for another podcast. Yeah, yeah.
1: All right. Well, then. Uh, All right. Been good to be with you today, man. Yeah. All right. Good times
0: till next week. Till the next Jack theology.